Living Corporate is brought to you by The Access Point. The reality is, this is the largest influx of black and brown talent corporate America has ever had. And as a result, a variety of talent entering the workforce are first-generation professionals. The other reality? Most of these folks aren't learning what it means to navigate a majority white workplace in their college classes. Enter The Access Point a live weekly web show within the Living Corporate Network that gives black and brown college students the real talk they need and likely haven't heard elsewhere. Every week, our hosts and special guests are dropping gems, so don't miss out. Check out The Access Point, airing every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard on livingcorporate.tv. Hey everybody, this is See It To Be It from Living Corporate. Living Corporate is a digital media platform that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. My name is Amy C. Wanninger and I'm the host of See It To Be It. When I was growing up in rural Southern Indiana, I didn't know people who went to college or who worked in professional roles. I didn't know what those jobs looked like or how to break into them. But this show isn't about me, it's about my guests. I bring you career stories from everyday role models in jobs you may not know exist. More importantly, the folks I interview share their perspectives as black and brown professionals in jobs and environments where they may be the only. My guest today is Maria Sefudin. Maria owns her own tech consulting firm in the Detroit, Michigan area, and she uh, is the proud owner of a women's business enterprise. But before we get to the interview, we're going to tap in with Tristan for some career advice. What's going on, y'all? It's Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting, and I've teamed up with Living Corporate to bring you all a weekly career tip. This week, let's discuss something I think we've all been guilty of at one point, resume spamming. Have you ever been searching for jobs and come across like eight positions open at a company you know you want to work for, so you applied to them all? I get the logic. The more you apply to a company, the better chance you have of landing a role with them. Unfortunately, that's what recruiters and hiring managers call resume spamming and it could result in you not being considered for an interview. Recruiters are usually able to see all the jobs you've applied to in their system. When you apply to a ton of jobs that aren't even remotely related to each other, you can come off as desperate and like you don't know what you want to do. If you're dying to work at a particular company, there are a couple steps you can take to increase your chances. Start by limiting the number of applications you submit to somewhere around two or three. You want to ensure that the jobs have a common thread so the recruiter or hiring manager isn't thrown off by wildly different job choices. Tailor your resume to each of those roles. While the roles you identified are similar, they still have differences, so make sure the resume you submit for each of them reflects that. We live in a day and age where tailoring is the name of the game. Whether it be your job search or your resume, be intentional so you're not setting yourself up for failure. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network. Hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards, The Leadership Range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. 
Make sure you check out the leadership range everywhere you listen to podcasts. Maria Seyfudin is the co-founder of Innovative Solution Partners, a 20-year-old Michigan-based IT consulting firm that specializes in helping businesses leverage data analytics to make timely and effective business decisions. She serves on the board of directors for the NABO Greater Detroit chapter and is an alum of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program and the WeBank IBM Executive Education Program at Tuck, which I am so jealous of, by the way. Please welcome to the show, Maria Seyfudin. Maria, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks, Amy. It's my pleasure to be with you today. So can you just tell our listeners a little bit about what your firm does um, related to information technology and data analytics and who you work with? Sure. So our clients actually range from small and medium-sized businesses to enterprise-level clients. Uh, The commonality between all of them is everybody's keeping so much information on hand these days, but how do you make sense out of it? So we help them create customized dashboard and reporting solutions So for enterprise level clients, it could be anything from um, the information from that C-levels would want all the way down to business analysts and customizing that as they would need. And then for small and medium-sized businesses, it's really about helping these businesses grow by helping them track their metrics or KPIs in a way that makes sense for them because I think their cultures are so different. And so um, we get to treat all of our clients a little bit differently. It's, It's fun. We get to customize as we go with each of them. Let me ask you, as a small business owner, where does all the data come from that you're helping them organize? Because I look at my business, for example, and I think, oh my gosh, I'm in 75 different systems. I've got literally stacks of paper on my desk, post-it notes, uh, you know, <laughs> notes in my iPad. Right? How do you? Where do you find the data that's useful, and how do you how do you systematize that so that it's not creating more work for your clients? Yeah, that's a great question because I think that's the one thing that gets people, deters people from making that first step. So I think the first way that we really approach it is from that business owner, business owner level, meaning what is it that keeps you up at night? What are things that are not working the way you want it to work? What are things that you know could, you could be doing better, but you don't, you just don't know why it's not being that way. It's not acting the way you expect it to. And always talk about what is going well and what we'll find are commonalities. And then that drives us to figure out where the information is kept. And then as we work down, then it becomes like, how do we put systems in place so we can remove you from your post-it notes, um, link up your iPad to wherever else you're hosting, you're keeping information. And then we, it really starts at the high level and then working our, our way down into the technical level. So, Maria, tell me, how did you get into this work in the first place? All right, so my background is in technology. I grew up in a family business um, that sold and repaired computers. And so I was always um, used to working with technology. And then I got a business degree and that landed me in um, one of the big four consulting firms. Back then it was a big six. And um, I got to see the business side of things and the technology side. And um, all of a sudden, we, I, someone offered my husband a job doing some work. And I was like, okay, let's just start our business. I, it's not that complicated, right? I mean, I've seen my parents do it. And we were young and stupid, as I tell people. And so um, 
we started our business that way very organically. And over the years, we've, we just really found our passion of working with people and this idea of using data. And that's really how our journey got started to where we are right now. I think it's amazing that you can live with your husband and work with your husband and work with your husband in a pandemic and still live with him. <laughs> How's that yeah, going? My, my children questioned that in the beginning of the pandemic um, when they actually saw how the dynamics were. <laughs> so, um, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, oh, we'll just start a business. How hard can it be? What surprised you about owning your own firm? I think the surprising piece was that when you get your first project and you start, you think that's your hardest piece, but really that wasn't the hardest piece. The hardest piece was really sustaining it. And um, over the 20 years, we've really had our ups and downs, but I think as you, you're a small business owner too, right? There's something in our blood that just keeps us going and this level of un- craziness and uncertainty, but excitement and joy working with our clients and seeing our results just keeps us going. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny because you think I'll just go be good at what I do. And then you realize, no, I have to sell this thing and do the work and sell the next thing and do that work. And I have to do it all at the same time. And it's not as easy as it looks when you see other people just doing their thing, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like that uh, post that you always see with the tip of the iceberg. No one sees all the work. And, you know, it's really easy to get in and or by people's success, but people work hard. You know, there may, there probably is some luck involved, but there's a lot of hard work involved. There absolutely is. And I, I never feel more seen than when somebody will pick up on something that I've done and they'll say, um, I know how much work went into this because I've done that. And I, you know, and I'm really proud of how hard you're working. It, that makes, as a business owner, that makes me feel more seen than anything um, because it is so, there's so much behind the tweet or the newsletter or the presentation or the book or the, the, you know, engagement model or whatever the thing is that we're doing. So how do you, um, how do you balance all of that? The running of the business and the doing the work of the business? Um, I've learned along the way, I think. Um, I've, I think the biggest thing that I'm working on 2021 is block timing, being that, um, you know, really getting focused when it's sales time, it's sales time, and it's working in the business, it's working in the business, and it's working on the business. Um, it hasn't always been that way. And you know how it is when you're so excited and you're just working, working, working all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, I've just been working in the business. I didn't think about this piece and I got to backtrack. So uh, I think that's really, I tell people as a business owner, I keep on learning. If you're in business and you think you've learned everything, it's uh, might be a little rough ride ahead. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And just when you think you've got it figured out, things change, right? The environment changes or the industry changes, or some competition comes in, um, or, you know, some, you know, a snowstorm, or a pandemic, or, um, you know, some other uh, disruptor happens all the time, right? So it's not just about knowing your stuff, it's about knowing your stuff and being able to, to shift your weight when the ground shifts underneath you. Absolutely, and I think that it comes with having the confidence in what we're doing. I think most of us that are in business, it's our passion that keeps us going. And 
I think most of us just want to do right by our customers and in happy to see that the results that we produce for them is something that they enjoy and helps them in whatever, you know, whatever capacity that the services or products that we provide. Yeah, absolutely. And Maria, we were talking like pre-call, right? Before we hit record, all the best conversations, I'm sad to say to our listeners, the best conversations happen before I hit record and after I stop. But um, we were talking before about um, being women business enterprises, owning our own businesses and being part of the women's business enterprise community. And um, a couple of weeks ago on the show, I had Michelle Parker, who you know, through the Great Lakes Women's Business Chamber, right? And um, we were talking about the benefits of being a certified diverse supplier, what that does, you know, for the community, for the small businesses and for the corporate partners. What was your experience going through the uh, certification process as a WeeBe, and what has that done for your business? For me, that certification process was actually pretty easy. I I don't know if it's because I I don't mind doing paperwork. I so for me that process was was easy and was fine and um, pretty seamless. I think in terms of what it's done for my business, it depends on. I would say that it's given me opportunities that I probably would not have had. For instance, I think connecting with other women business owners across the country, the opportunity for attending education tracks like Tuck and the Strategic Growth Program. I, in that regards, in terms of business, I think helping me get my foundation of my business to grow and scale is is one of the biggest values I've gotten out of being a OEB. And I think what I've experienced over the last year is the phenomenal amount of support that you get. And I think when times are good, right? We don't worry about all these things like, oh yeah, we're certified. And then when the pandemic hit and offerings are coming and people are really invested in helping you, it's, it was really eye-opening and rewarding all in one. And I extremely pleasantly surprised because I, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know how it is, right? You get certified, but there's no guarantee of business. And I, when I went in, I wasn't sure I, I was a women-owned business and people are like, why aren't you certified? I'm like, I don't know why. I'm not sure why. Sure. I'll do it. So it's been an interesting journey. I think overall it's been a very positive one for me. That's fantastic. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was, you know, I think a lot of times when people hear, uh, you know, women's business, whatever, fill in the blank, right? Association or, or council. A lot of times they wonder, um, particularly black and brown women wonder, is this going to be an inclusive space for me? Um, and so I'm wondering what has been your experience as a woman of color in the Weeby space, right? In the women's business enterprise space um, and in that certification space? I think it is a welcoming organization. I think it's like any organization where you've got to show up to create connections and to get have people to get to know you. I think that education-wise, we probably um, can tweak a little bit of things, right? I, I think you got to figure out when we join organizations, what's the purpose behind it? For me, the purpose was I wanted to get certified because companies at times were asking me. I wanted a place where I could get the tools. I think when business owners, definitely we face different hurdles as it is. And so in that vein, I think I've gotten what I wanted out of it. Have I ever felt left out or anything? No, not really. I, I've been able to get the support I need um, here in the Detroit area. 
I've been able to pick up the phone. I mean, in the last year, I, I would say that I didn't put as much effort in probably in years past. And in this last year, when I really needed the support, when my business was making huge turns in the pandemic, I've had the really fast turnaround time and people are calling and people who I didn't even leave a voicemail were like, I saw you called. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. So I think in that realm, I think it's, so to answer your question, I think it is welcoming. I think it's up to us to figure out what it is that we want. And I think it's up to us to figure out if we can get it on. And I think then if you're not getting what you're expecting, I think there's a conversation to be had. Mm, That's very good advice. Thank you. And I asked the question partially because, you know, I know it's important to our listeners, but also because um, I'm a part of that community and I don't want to be a part of a community that isn't welcoming to all women. Um, And, you know, I don't want to walk in with my own, my own lens and assume that everybody has the same experience that I've had. So thank you for, for sharing that. I noticed that you're also, you mentioned in your bio, you're also on the board of directors for NABO, which is the National Association of Women Business Owners, which is a different um, organization entirely. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the community that you found there? Yeah, I think, um, so with NABO, NABO started as an advocacy organization because believe it or not, up until I think 1984, we couldn't sign any loan paperwork at a bank without a male counter signer. And so the women who started this organization, that's what drove them to start it. And since then, um, it's really been a voice for women business owners. I think this year, the national um, NABO has come up with five different topics, you know, one being technology, how do we get it so that no matter where we are, we can run our business and have the training to do it. Uh, they're also focusing on the health of the business owner, right? Not only us, but then it, when we have employees or if we have employees, can we afford the healthcare for ourselves and for our employees? And so as I, my intention of joining them was actually was to find like-minded women business owners. They were just having um, events that I could attend more easily based on my schedule is how I got involved with them. And then what I found was a sisterhood, just like I think in WeBank too. I think, you know, when you show up and people get to know you and, and you find that commonality of like, for so many of us, right. We're running our business. We're running our houses. We're running our family. Like, you know, it, it can be a lot. And it has been a lot for all for us. And I think finding that space to just be and to learn and to see what other people are doing to get to be inspired is it, that kind of fills my own like personal fuel tank, so to speak. I think that's wonderful. I've been um, I've been a part of a couple of different NABO groups. Um, I, I'm kind of a, a group hopper, right? I kind of hop from association to association. I'll join one for a year or two, and then I can move on to something else. And I just kind of see, like, you know, kind of get a flavor of what everything's about. Um, but I've always found the NABO groups to be so, uh, so uplifting and so, um, so comfortable and really, really intentional about referrals. Yeah, it's an interesting, I think each NABO um group or chapter is really distinct on its own, depending on who the membership is. And so that's really interesting. I think, you know, when people ask me here in greater Detroit, I'm like, did you do it for growing business? I said, that wasn't really my intention because I can see that um, there are target customers there, but they're, that's not the majority. Like that wasn't my reason for joining. I knew that that if that's my reasoning for joining, that wasn't going to be the one that kept me there. 
And I, I agree with you. I think there's just a sense of welcoming and inspiration and upliftment and the willingness to help one another in our businesses and at a personal level too, when it's needed. Yeah. Where else do you go for community, Maria? Oh, you know, I think across the years of doing all this crazy education stuff, I've just had this network of business owners that are just become really good friends. So, and they're like your old friends, right? Like from college where you don't talk with them for a long time, but you pick them up at the phone and you're just like, oh yeah, I'm having this problem. And they're more than willing to help you. So I think from a, per, a professional aspect, that is really where my community is with like fellow business owners. Yeah, it's funny because I think we see each other on social media enough that we feel like we're hanging out all the time, right? And then it's <laughs> yeah. like, when somebody calls, it's not a surprise because you just saw him on Twitter like five minutes ago, right? Absolutely. I know. I was like, I've seen Amy so many places. I remember we were in that pitch competition last year and I'm thinking, where have I seen Amy? I haven't met her in person ever. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So the way we connected for this interview was through LinkedIn. Uh, I sent out a, a please help post because it was running out of interviews. <laughs> And, uh, and, and when we got on the, on the call together, we're like, we know each other, don't we know each other? <laughs> and we sure do. So yeah, we've, we've been in the same circles, you know, in different places, kind of uh, ships in the night, right. Passing without really connecting. And so it's, it's exciting to me. Uh, that's one of the great things about doing a podcast, right. Is I get to know people better than I do at some of these bigger events or, you know, yeah. dig a little deeper than, um, than we get on social media. Um, I wanted to ask you specifically about the WeBank IBM Executive Education Program at Tuck. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you, uh, what you experienced in that program and what you took away? Yeah, absolutely. It was um, a room full of high-performing women business owners. And it was almost like that first day of school when you walk in and you're like, oh my God, what did I sign up for? And do I know enough to be in this room? And over that span of the week, it is a phenomenal session from everything that you would want to know as a business owner. But you, you like, we don't know what we don't know. And the quality of, of the professors that come in and what they share with you in a way that makes sense to you, like not from a book level, from, but from a real life level is, is astounding. I came away with so many takeaways of how I was viewing like my own time and what my, how I can be a better business owner and learning from what other women are doing and how they're growing their businesses or how they approach their teams or where they place the emphasis, you know, in terms of prioritizing. I think one of the biggest things was when we left that session, it was, there was a personal component to it, right? We're so focused on business that we forget about our own selves. And it, it was an important question it was like, what's your legacy? And that was something that I took with me. I'm like, every time, you know, my, my commitment is to my, my customers. And I think a lot of people say it, but for us, especially being a family run business, like that is at our core, because if we don't do a good job for our customers, we wouldn't be here. And it affects, it's just a whole, it's a whole nightmare, right? And uh, when, when we were asked about the legacy piece of it, it was really like, what is it my Martha and leaving on the world, whether it's with my kids or it's with my business, whether it's with my clients, it's how I operate. 
um, that was extremely powerful. And I think you brought up a really good question earlier, which was uh, how welcoming is this organization? And one of the professors leading it, she was an African-American woman. And she said, look around this room and see how many women of color are in this room with you. And in reality, there were not there uh, extremely small percentage. And for, for them to bring it into light about how important it is for us to support one another. And I think there's this idea of sponsorship versus mentorship. I think a lot of us as women get mentors, but when it comes to sponsorship and having somebody help us get in that door and actually get those connections made, it really comes from one of us helping each other to do that, I think. And so that, for me, uh, that whole talk experience was phenomenal. There's, uh, there's still people that I contact today and like, hey, how everything's going. I think it was almost like living in a dorm room again for like a week, right? And so um, I, say, I think one of the benefits of that program too is that you are away from your business and you are just thinking and being with people who are in the same boat. And all of us were like in the break trying to figure out what's going on with our business, right? Because you got 10 minutes to figure out what's going on. Um, but you learn the importance of where to place your time and how to focus and grow. So it, it was, I would highly recommend it to anybody who's looking to really take their business to the next level. When you said a week away from your business, I, my heart skipped a beat. I was like, how can I even do that? <laughs> Which tells me I've got a lot of work to do as a business owner, right? Because you can't leave a legacy if you're doing everything yourself. And it's, um, you know, there's so much opportunity to bring other people in to create more opportunity for others to, to really, you know, teach others and, and delegate and grow. And I love what you said about mentors versus sponsors. Um, you know, I think about the mentors, the person who'll show you which door to knock on, right. But the sponsors in the room, hyping you up, right. The sponsor is your hype man before you even get there. You know, people ask me like, what got me into business at such a young age? And I'll tell you that when I started my career, there weren't women of color. I mean, I showed up to work and they're like, oh, do you know the other Muslim girl in accounting? And I'm like, um, we all don't know each other. Um, but, you know, I'm thankful that things have changed so much in the last 25, 30 years. But I think that was the biggest thing that I, I didn't know how to navigate a system, especially as kids, as a child of immigrants. You don't have limited mentorship women in IT at that point. We're not that many. And then, you know, sponsorship didn't, that I didn't even realize was a thing until probably, you know, recently, to be honest with you. And, you know, that distinction I heard someplace, I'm like, that's really, you know, mentorship helps us, no doubt. But that sponsorship is what gets us to the next level almost. Absolutely. So Maria, in the time that we have left, what advice do you have for young people who may be listening, who are thinking about starting their own business or um, working in, you know, an IT consulting role with one of the big, you said there are four left. Uh, <laughs> I always say big six, cause that's what it was when I started. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe someday it'll be like the big two and <laughs> they'll just all merge into one like big blob. But um, what would you say to somebody who wants to get started in this space either as a consultant working for a firm or starting their own firm? How can they, how can they best prepare for that? I think um, education is key. 
And I really believe that um, you've got to have the right tools in your tool belt to make a good decision. Business isn't for everybody because you've got to be comfortable with change and uncertainty and being uncomfortable. And I think it's worth it to try anything. I think you got to try everything and anything because you don't know what you don't like until you try it. But I firmly believe in putting in the maximum amount of effort. So in terms of business, I think at least for us here in Detroit, the ecosystem for businesses is phenomenal in terms of getting support from so many different agencies. And most of them are not at, at any charge, like they're being funded. So take advantage of that. It, this ecosystem did not exist 20 years ago. We were kind of, you know, learning, learning as we go and making a lot of mistakes and not knowing where to go. I think for those that want to get into a consulting field, I think if you're a great, if you like it, problem solving, I think you, there's so many avenues to go in. I think one of the biggest things I'm seeing from younger people today is like connect with people in your field, just have, most of us are more than happy to give some of our time to talk with you, um, ask questions, ask the questions that really are important to you. And I think cultural fit is extremely important. I was reading someplace today. It's not about your first job, but what's your who's your first boss? And part of that really resonated with me. If someone's willing to teach you and and do all of that, um, you know, sometimes all the big names isn't everything that is cracked out to be from the outside. So I think I whatever avenue that you're pursuing, reach out to people. There's so many ways on social media to connect these days or to follow people and you know, just keep on connecting and learning and keep testing it out and be confident in whatever you're doing. Thank you so much for that advice. And thank you for being on the show. It has been a pleasure getting to know you better. Likewise, Amy, I'm so glad we were able to finally connect. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Break Room. Have you ever felt burnt out, depressed, or otherwise exhausted by being one of the onlys at work? You know what I'm talking about. Hosted by Black psychologists, psychiatrists, and PhDs, The Break Room is a live weekly web show in the Living Corporate Network that discusses mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. Name another weekly show explicitly focused on mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. I'll wait. This is why you got to check out The Break Room, airing every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on livingcorporate.tv. Okay, so I have some uh, some confessions to make about this interview with Maria. Um, we were recording this in the middle of all the snowstorms that happened um, during the month of February. And right in the middle of our interview, Maria's power went out. And I was sitting there on the on the call for, for a little while just by myself waiting for her to come back. So I want to give a, a special shout out uh, to Maria for hanging in there with me despite some technical difficulties. She did a great job recovering, getting back in and uh, getting back in the game. But I also want to give a shout out to our producer, Aaron, who um, I'm sure had to do a lot of work to piece this together in a way that made it cohesive and made it all sound really good and like it was one interview. Um, So thank you, Aaron, for your work um, behind the scenes at Living Corporate. We value you and your work so much. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Living Corporate and share us with your friends and colleagues. And you can help us out by leaving us a six-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I know what you're thinking. There are only five stars in that little radar show algorithm that you have on your phone. 
but you want to give us all those stars and then go the next step by leaving just a couple of sentences in your own words, telling us what you enjoyed about this show, what you liked about the series or what insights you gained from our guests. Don't forget to visit living-corporate.com to learn more about our other podcasts, videos, web shows, and more. This is Amy C. Wanninger with See It to Be It, and I will see you next week. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.